This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon. Join my co-host, Dan. No, Nick. Instead, big time substitution. Lineup change before the game, Dan. We have got football connoisseur, a.k.a. who? Well, it's Kieran Doyle, who you and I were referencing the same way with different verb, different ways of referencing. As I was referencing Kieran by his name, you were referencing him by the Twitter handle in a prior episode this week. But we're so excited to have him join us, contributor to American Soccer Analysis. Definitely a big brain as it relates to the analysis that you've been doing. And I think one of the two main cheerleaders of the Petrovich to Chelsea bandwagon show, whatever it was, you and Dimitri. And so I think we're so excited to bring you on to this special where we talk about Petrovich joining Chelsea. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Well, uh, as as all of you know, undoubtedly, the goalkeepers union is strong over here. Uh, it's something that I've been clamoring, some might even say, for a little bit about uh, what the situation is going to be. Keppa leaving sets the stage right. I think that was a a surprise that a lot of us were were very much open to, but it did leave a void. I mean, shy of us randomly picking up Robert Sanchez, what in the world was going to happen? So. We have a backup, potentially legitimate challenger for the number one slot, and we're going to talk about that. Is it seems all but uh, days away from the New England Revolution keeper Jorge Petrovic coming. So let's jump into it, uh, Dan. A little call to action. This is busy time. This is where a lot of eyeballs on us. A lot, a lot of things going on. Pass the pod. Share the pod. Yeah, if you can leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, that helps. And it's free to do. People love it. You can also subscribe on YouTube. That is also free to do. And you can also hit the bell icon to get notified when we drop a new video. Probably not the second or third or fourth one this day because we're trying to slow down just a little bit and enjoy life a little bit outside the Chelsea sphere when possible. But the other way you can support the podcast too is patreon.com slash London Blue Pod. You can join in our wonderful Discord community. Great ways to support the podcast during a busy time for us. You also can sign up for the newsletter, londonisblue.beehive, H-I-I-V.com. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, you've already missed Sam's latest release. So what were you doing? You missed out. Go back in a time machine and fix that or just go to the site and read it and then also sign up. That would be a great thing to do. And it's free. So a lot of free content Things to do that you will enjoy from London's Blue Crew to you. All right. Well, let's kick it off right here with just who is Jorge Petrovic. I think that's how we pronounce it. I don't care if you have a proper uh, way to do it because um, I do this other podcast with Cody Cropper. used to play in the MLS. And we had Dewan Jones on from the Revs. Cody played the Revs for a while. And Dewan, I remember him talking about him, Petrovic, obviously we had to talk about him. Uh, he had the utmost praise, but again, I feel like that's how he said it. It was almost like a J sound at the beginning. Yeah. The, the like Serbian D with the bar is, yeah. a, is a DJ. It's a DJ. So yeah, it's Georgi Petrovic. I believe. I think it's an itch at the end. Yeah. Not, not the Pulisic, uh, back and forth. We don't need to go through that again. Uh, <laughs> so basic, uh, just kind of setting the stage here for Brizzo Romano saying that he understands that George will be, uh, signing on Wednesday as a new Chelsea player, seven year contract classic. I'm sure there's a plus one in there. Oh, look, there is duh, uh, 17 and a half million USD fixed fee plus 2.2 million in add-ons to the revs. But I'd like to clarify it does not go to the revs directly. It goes through MLS front office. Every single player in the MLS's contract is owned by them. So they had to negotiate with the revs and then get final approval from MLS. It's all a bit messy, uh, Kieran, but anything that you want to add on to kind of the structure of this before uh, we get in just your general reaction? 
Yeah, I think uh, like one of the key things about the deal that have kind of made this fee maybe a little bit bigger than people are expecting is that the MLS transfer window is closed right now. So you can only sign free agent replacements. So that's kind of a key thing that has twisted this deal in a few different ways. Yeah, that is true. Um, Dan, did you know that Na in Ligue 1 and uh, Nottingham Force both bid for Petrovic this uh, summer? Around $8 million in the revs while the windows open said, nah, no thanks, not good enough for us. Well, as we've talked about before, players have a right to make their opinion known in football transfers. So, I mean, look, if you had any inkling that Chelsea was in for you and you had the option between Chelsea and Nottingham Forest, look, I know Nottingham Forest may have played some better football recently uh, or at least scored some more goals than Chelsea recently. So maybe rethinking that just a touch. But in general, I feel like if you've been on the radar, if this is something you think might be happening, you might try to put yourself in a position to get the bigger move or get the better move, particularly if you're betting on yourself, which uh, knowing you, Brandon, I think that goalkeepers definitely bet on themselves to overachieve where they are kind of within their position set. So, I mean, if nobody else is going to bet on you, then you better bet on yourself. It's a tough gig out there. Um, Let's go ahead and kind of get initial reactions here. I there are few stronger stances on Twitter, Kieran, than what you said <laughs> on Petrovich, which I admire. I even was talking to Phil earlier today offline. It was like, you know, I've had to speak with some authority on this goalkeeping analysis because people, they're coming in and just assuming MLS, young, this and that. He's, it's, it's not there, but there's a lot more, I think, under the initial easy, lazy reaction of, oh, he's MLS, therefore, and I'm going to let you have first stab. Uh, I've said a few things about this on Twitter, mostly saying that I don't really care what happens the rest of the window because this is so good, Uh, and also that he'll be the starter by January, which I do stand by. Uh, Look, to me, Petrovic is not just the best goalkeeper in MLS. I think he's one of the best shot stoppers in the whole world. From a statistical perspective, it's almost inarguable like there's very very few keepers with the track record that he has over five years across serbia and mls which again are not strongest leagues but we have a pretty good back catalog of mls goalkeepers making the move to england and maintaining the same level of statistical performance whether that's going back as far as tim howard or or casey keller and, and guys like that or even now with matt turner who matt turner was like xg god in new england and is absolutely killing it at Nottingham Forest so far this year. So very positive is the big takeaway. I think I've got some some reasons that I'm also positive, but, you know, uh, I, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit, Dan. I'm interested in what you think as someone who's not coming from the goalkeeper background about this. Clearly it was a need, um, but this might have caught some people by surprise, I think is fair. I think the... If you were to look at where the concern of the questions are, I think the questions generally come from the facts of it being MLS and not being another former Premier League keeper, a top five Europe League keeper, because there there were and still remain plenty of available free agents in Europe or at least cost-effective options who could have come in. I think LaFont was another one um, that would have been maybe similar profile uh, that you could have said like, hey, you might be able to actually get him for even a little less because his club's broke and they need money and they need to sell. So I think that's where 
maybe the prevailing thought is. And so for people looking at it, they're like, well, wait a minute, we could have gone with a international who plays or is in consideration and contention for a side in Europe that might have been a better fit or might have been even a, a clearer shout to be a starter over over Sanchez. And I think people have overlaid like Sanchez's best season with Petrovic's last one or two seasons are like, well, look at this. Like Sanchez can over exceed him in certain areas. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's like, you're going back in time. Like ultimately we have to deal with what's here in the present and now and the present and now last season, Sanchez to Petrovic either this season or last season, he looks like a better candidate for contending for a starting Premier League keeper job than Sanchez does. And that's just like my initial take, not necessarily saying that Sanchez can't get back to his former glory. That would be incredible because at the end of the day, having two great keepers is not a bad problem to have. Like I want more good problems for Mauricio Pochettino and less bad problems. Bad problem was one keeper, potentially substandard performance or history of recent substandard performance. Good problem for Mauricio Pochettino, two players, one who now is showing exceptional shot stopping ability and also has some, what looked like at least from an early analysis, some of the crossing element comes into it. That was very interesting when I was watching Kieran's video about the just what are the skills that he's going to bring to Chelsea. I think all of it feels good. And I don't don't think upsets anything in particular. Like, I don't think this hopefully is going to cause Robert Sanchez too much uh, consternation by him coming in. Look, I think what I would say in context around this is we've talked about this a lot with Chelsea. There are some positions that's a bit of a free hit this season. Chelsea's not in Europe. Uh, we play one match a week. The downside is less cup matches, you know, with without Champions League and Europa League. But goalkeeper is the one position that the United States of America and our Canadian brethren up north in the MLS have been able to export, right? You want to go back to to Brad Friedel, um, uh, Casey Keller, uh, even Marcus Hanneman was there for a little bit with, with some teams. Uh, Tim Howard obviously is the, the probably the most apples to apples, right? Went from New York, New Jersey Metro Stars to Manchester United. Huge move. Unfortunately, it didn't go so well for him, but he ended up having an amazing men's national team career and Premier League career with Everton. That like it's all not lost. Uh, if you are, if Chelsea have always said that they are looking ahead and not just trying to win today, he is very much a signing in that vein. And he is ahead of the curve with Gaga because I think Gaga Slonina comes into the con the conversation. Well, we already got an MLS starter. Now we got another one. Gaga wasn't ready, but I think Kieran, even you put out there, Petrovic is much more polished around that kind of development curve than Gaga is. I'm thrilled that Gaga is going to Belgium and he's playing because the number one metric you need are minutes for a goalkeeper to find out if they're good enough or not. And if they're not getting minutes, they're literally regressing. Um, and that's why you'll see goalkeepers go down to the championship, right back up to the Premier League, because it's not as important for them as field players. So uh, I think there's some kind of hedges to be made around it. And um, there are lines you can draw from MLS to, to, um, to, to Premier League. And uh, now, New England Revolution to Chelsea? That, that's a big line to draw, but hey, let's find out what happens. And affordable. Can we remind ourselves about that? Affordable. Yeah, for sure. Like I think, uh, like I said, I think the fee was a little bit higher than I was expecting, especially given the bids that were going around earlier in the summer. But 
I still think it's a move that if in three years' time he either hasn't played as much as you'd hoped or he hasn't met the needs you want, like this is a full Serbian international who has a, a crazy backlog behind him, like you're not going to be eating a big loss on this move. Yeah. And he's just a top, top keeper. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and dig into that a little bit. We're going to take a first ad break and we're back. We're literally going to answer the question, who is he? So thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. All right, Dan, your turn. Here we go, sir. Uh, Jed from uh, Twitter saying, who is he? Literally. A lot of people don't even have even heard of him at this point. Well, number 99, which I think is a Classic. uniquely fun number for a goalkeeper. Uh, if you can't get one, why not go for the other end of the spectrum? Uh, it is, according to the MLS's website, George A. Petrovich, and he is listed as 6'4". I do believe that there is some assumptions from individuals like Kieran that maybe he plays larger than his size or larger than his frame and uh, right footed individual. We mentioned that he's a Serbian national as well. So that there's a, and, and he's 23 again. So he will, um, you know, be turning or has already turned, uh, you know, uh, that age this year. So actually, I don't know. It's depending upon if, if the MLS website is using the year uh, American US. dates, he will turn. Yeah. Yeah. He will turn uh 24 this season. So again, still a very young keeper uh, overall, but I think if we were to kind of advance the conversation, now that we have the basic profile, there were things that were listing as strengths. And one of the ones Kieran, that seems to be, the standout one or his standout strength is really shot stopping and how comfortable he is and how I guess maybe otherworldly his decision-making is when it comes to not making the errors, errors that will have, I don't know, been, been nightmares for Chelsea supporters of the past couple of seasons with some of the decisions we've seen from whether it was Mendy or Kepa or others where you just wonder boy, oh boy, why did you go out to claim that? Why did you, why didn't you stay in your spot? Why didn't you do this? Like that doesn't seem to be at least in an, even an iota of a concern for Petrovic. Yeah. The, the timing of this is quite funny because he actually made like quite a large error recently in a league's cup game where he came for a cross that he probably shouldn't have. And it's like been flicked in at the near post. And I was thinking about it. I was like, I can't remember another one. And so I was digging through the Y scout and, the reality is, is he's a very, very solid goalkeeper from a reliability standpoint. The real strength is the shot stopping. Um, 
in terms of like if we look at the XG and stuff like that, he is just historically good in MLS and and in his time in Europe. Um, the thing that I think stands out the most for Chelsea is, is two things. One, his choice of technique in 1v1s is excellent. Um, I, I showed it in the video, but I would highly recommend people go check it out. John Harrison has a thread about using data to investigate how keepers approach 1v1s with different technique choices. And Petrovic is like a robot who just makes the right decision every single time, which is just awesome to see. And the other is that he does not concede long shots. If you look at the profile of the shots that New England have conceded in his time there and how many goals he's conceding, we see something like for every long shot goal, he has to face 26 more shots than an average goalkeeper. So if you think about that in Chelsea's context, maybe that's like every five games he's stealing a goal from long shots that would go in on, say, Capora Sanchez. So to me, those are the two in the Chelsea context that really, really stand out. I tell you what, uh, the the long distance shots coming, you know, off of Keppa, where we know that there's a lot of good things, the things he was good at, height limited some of those options. It, it is what it is. A good frame, right? Which is, that's one thing I like applauded with Sanchez. Like, good. We have a we have a big unit of a goalkeeper again. Like, great. Love to see it. And he came out bravely when the ball was kind of bouncing inside the six and he just lunged at it. It's something we hadn't seen, which, uh, again, is is good. The shot stopping, this is what I gather, right? And, and I'll be honest with everybody. This is my first season watching the MLS. Uh, Cody forced me to. But I'm enjoying it. It's a wild league if it, it is drunk. Everyone can be everyone. But that also makes it so hard for these goalkeepers and teams. Shot stopping is goalkeeping 101. At the end of the day, if you're great with your feet, cool. If you're great cross, is cool. But you've got to be able to stop shots. And the stats that you had had in here and things like that and just shows that he's, at the end of the day, in the right position. His feet are always set. He's not getting caught flat-footed. The, the, and consistent with that, it... it is the difference between fingertip save or hitting your fingertips and going in. And I just, the more I'm watching and seeing what he's done with the Revolution team, who, by the way, they're second in the Eastern Conference. They're having a good season, especially because they were a bit shit last season. So for them to have a quick turnaround, and now I believe isn't Bruce Arena just let go and they have a new manager? He is suspended while he's being investigated, I believe. Gotcha. So there's some adversity inside the locker room with him, but... As it stands, um, they're putting together a really good run, and um, I, I think that that's obviously comes down to him being rock solid back there. You got to build off it. Yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable some of the saves he makes in, in in individual games, and I think it's interesting that you talked about how he's so steady and he's so he's always set and his feet aren't moving, and it's fun to compare to Keppa, who like everybody on Twitter at this point has seen the Keppa arm swings before every save and the jumpy feet. Like everyone has seen it. And if you watch Petrovic, the guy is like not robotic because robotic, I think has negative connotations, but he is so deliberate with his movement and his footwork where there is no wasted movement. It is very clear that his feet are always shoulder with the party. He's never stretched. He's always ready to go. It, it, from a technical perspective, he is exceptionally clean. When you look at where, where he needs to go next. So we drop him into Chelsea. He's here. He's got skills that we're going to benefit from fully. 
But where are the areas of his game that maybe are going to be more limited or things that maybe he will need to work on? I think the one of the things you pointed out was just his distribution relative to maybe what the modern goalkeeper is expected to do is going to be different. So expect a lot of short passes to center backs and allowing Levi Colwell and Tiago Silva and Bebois Badishil to do the work of getting it up the field because that's not his, that's not who he is. Yeah, this this is kind of the looming question where if you're like okay 18 months from now Kieran you were wrong he didn't it didn't work this is where I would look is that Pochettino just never trusted him with his feet that's not to say I think he's poor with his feet I think we have to evaluate in the context that he plays in MLS for a fairly old school coach who's not we are not seeing the revolution play like three two elaborate build structures to do things uh, they they play and it goes back to him and he kicks along to the striker and that's it is what it is uh, my biggest question is to see, A, how much he is asked to do things differently. Like, is he asked to play into midfield, into people's feet? Uh, or is he just pass it to Diago Silva and let him take care of it? Um, and then if he is asked to do a little bit more difficult things, how much can he do? If you go back and watch some of the stuff he does in Serbia, he's not like an oaf. Like, he can he can play a little bit. But I think maybe a good comparable for where he is is someone like David De Gea, where if it's not the right context, we've seen how poorly that can go. I get it. Um, Aerially, how do you feel about him, right? Uh, We know that Poch is coming off Hugo Uriz, which was good with his feet, unless it was with France, and he was guaranteed to play to the other team at one point. Um, But from a crossing perspective as well, I think that that's something that we've lacked, really. Mendy gave us a little bit of hope. Uh, Sanchez came out and caught across, and the fans sarcastically applauded, but at the same time, I think they were hopeful as well. Um, I'm also just sensitive coming off of the West Ham match with James Ward-Prowse, right, where, um, you know, they were able to, like, lean on crosses and set pieces specifically against Chelsea. Yeah, and and I think, like, West Ham are maybe a unique scenario because they are so good at those moments where like for example Robert Sanchez over his time at Brighton was like the most active cross collector in the Premier League and he only came for like 13 or 14 percent of his crosses which is like extraordinarily active for goalkeepers um Petrovic is a less active cross claimer but New England also defend in a way that they deny teams crosses so there's I'm kind of curious to see how the open play stuff translates. The biggest benefit to me is he is exceptional on corners. Um, you can watch the way New England set up to defend corners and like teams like Red Bulls and Cincinnati who are very set piece dependent teams are hitting like whipped deliveries to the back post and he comes through traffic and gets a big fist on it and clears the danger. And it was the first thing I thought of during the game on Sunday was, oh my God, I think he would have come for this. Mm. Uh so it's a, it's a it's a very interesting point, and I think Sanchez is a good cross claimer. So I think having someone who doesn't give that up makes it much easier for him to get into the team. As you look at it, I know you mentioned De Gea's name a couple of times. There was a question from Danny Windsor asking just who the best comparison keeper is, or to give somebody an allegory of like, or you know, analogous rather individual that they could just kind of mentally say, okay, this is a good example of who Petrovich could be. 
I know you took some data around just like the shots conceded and like the compare the comparables, like amount the number of goals conceded from the XG. Uh, and so I don't know if that was the list to use or if there was another name you wanted to share before we get to that list, which I think was some super impressive data. Yeah, I, I would say the big, like the best case is Courtois. I think is the probably the the best comparable of like high ceiling. I think as a floor, you're talking somebody like Nick Pope is is a good comparable. But that's like that's a pretty good window to be shopping in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, the the Pope to Courtois window is not a bad window to shop in for a, a Premier League goalkeeper. No, not at all. All right. I let's let's run the Courtois because I've got some pretty uh strong things I like and dislike about Courtois' ability. He's bigger. What I was always impressed by with Courtois was his reflexes. The ability for that big of a guy to get shoot that hand down and get those reflex saves. Uh, to me, I think one of the things that Courtois has that no one else of his size does, like Emmanuel Neuer, um, is just the first thing that comes to mind, are those reflexes and athleticism. Do you feel like he has those cat-like reflexes and just elite level of athleticism to be going to his left, change direction when the ball gets put back across him? Yeah, I, I think there's actually some interesting clips you can watch where, um, like, I, I'm sure you have feelings about this as a goalkeeper, where, like, do I go with my feet or do I go with my hands when it's in tight? Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny because Petrovic is massive, but he always goes with his hands. He's very much like a, a hands-first goalkeeper. And I think Courtois used to be a foot guy, got beat on a couple nasty 1v1s, and now is very much a hands guy. And so I think Petrovic is very much in the same vein of like, I can get down pretty well. I love that. That is that is great to hear um, because I think Courtois was such a strong shot stopper, that tall, lanky frame. He's just so, so hard to beat uh, when he gets out there. So if you're telling me um, that the, the ceiling is Courtois and the floor is Nick Pope, I just watched Nick Pope in the Chelsea friendly in this summer. I like Nick Pope a lot. Honestly, I'm shocked that uh, that one guy from Everton is still England's number one goalkeeper. I think that is crazy, but not my country, not my problem. I rate Nick Pope high, so I like that. Uh, what else, Dan? Well, I think that these were some interesting stats, Ted Kieran, just around his goals conceded from the expected XG, which puts it at a 0.8, so 142 goals from 2018 to 2023 with 178 expected goal. And you look at someone like Allison, who is at 0.86, or even Courtois, who we just talked about, like 0.9, that he's really in a, an elite category uh, in the world in terms of keepers as it relates to the goals conceded from expected goals. Yeah, it, it, it's frankly like almost unsustainable. That's how good it is. Um, and he is so far beyond that even if he comes back to earth a little bit, it's still like truly impressive shot stopping performance. I think one of the interesting things when you display these numbers as a ratio is that we see sometimes if everybody's looked at FB ref and you go to the advanced goalkeeping tab and you're like, all right, who's got the best PSXG plus minus. And sometimes I think we get a little bit caught up in like, okay, this keeper is a bullet sponge for a terrible team. They concede 75 XG. Okay, great. He saved eight. But is that more impressive than Alisson who's saving eight goals, but on, say 40 XG conceded. And so uh, to compare to some of these top keepers, and we're talking like top, top, top keepers, I think is really, really enlightening. Look, the XG point saved 
uh, not costing your team games. I think that's super important. Um, the comparison that you have here uh, is, as I'm probably going to tee this up for the for the next session, a section, a little bit. Um, but this is this is one we're going to circle and just kind of sit on a little bit because if you're telling me that he's one of four guys in the world, right, who's doing something at an incredible level. Why wouldn't more people be interested? So with that massive cliffhanger, we're going to take our last ad break. When we get back, we're going to answer the one question that's on everybody's mind, or we're not, but we're going to try. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're bored of U.S. streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You know, like the name of the podcast to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal, too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. Threat protection. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll send you a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened, just like Chelsea's 2022-2023 season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash londonisblue to get your subscription started today. nordvpn.com forward slash londonisblue. All right, Dan, I'm going to tee you up. Real quick, on the newsletter and what you were doing with Sam, real quick, because I know we talked about at the beginning, but these newsletters are are coming consistently, and there's a lot of power behind them. Yeah, the one dropping this Wednesday when people were listening to this episode had still images from the game with little annotations on them. So really, you're missing out not only on the words, but on the visual images that Sam helps prepare for these wonderful newsletters. Londonisblue.beehive. That's B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com. Sign up for free today. All right. The big question I was baiting, Kieran. What, how heavy is the curve for playing an MLS? I think that is the the one thing that everyone wants to know is he's in MLS. The quality is lower. The quality of shots is lower. He's able to have a better XG. He's ever able to have a better save percentage because he's not taking shots from Erling Holland. From you know who else is a striker in this league? I am. We are so far behind on goals. You get my point, though. What is that that curve that we need to apply to these stats? So. It's an interesting question, and this is like something a lot of analytics people are really interested in. We don't have XG as far back as Tim Howard, for example. So we are reliant on what people think of those players, and generally those goalkeepers like uh, translated, is the word I was looking for, translated quite well. Who we do have data on is Matt Turner. 
Matt Turner was actually God in MLS. His XG ratio in the Europa League was about the same as what it was here. Okay, only like seven game samples, something like that, but not nothing. Um, it's an interesting question. I am not worried about translation at all in that his numbers could decrease 40%, for example. Like that's something we see going from France to England. We see progressive passes drop like 40%. They could drop, his XG numbers could drop 40%, and I would not bat an eye, and this guy is still awesome. Wow. Um, I Look, I have my own opinions as well uh, about that. I, again, I'm, I'm saying it's the one thing you can export that it can translate. He's going to need confidence. He's going to need time. We've all heard that the game is played at a different clip when you go from uh, you know MLS to Premier League. Hell, if you go from La Liga to Premier League, what I do think is different, though, is he's coming from a European background. He's played in Europe. He's played in Serbia. It's not going to be that big of a surprise to him, especially when it comes to the national team. So uh, I appreciate you answering that. Uh, I, I probably would have hedged my answer a little bit, but you're a hero. So anyways, Dan, what uh, what what is next for this one? Well, no, it's you said the big question and you teed it up and we talked about it in the beginning, but effectively... People are wondering, we had multiple people ask John and Chris AM and multiple people who I didn't capture the screenshot of because it was just the overriding question. Will he or is he capable of benching Robert Sanchez as Chelsea's number one goal and becoming Chelsea's number one goalkeeper? And I think that is the, maybe the example or maybe the way to frame it is that if he arrives on Wednesday for a Friday game, he won't play versus Luton. Like that, that is just not the reality of the situation. He probably doesn't get an opportunity to start before the international break would be my guess. I think unless Sanchez plays horribly, um, that I don't know if that would happen. So I guess the question is, Kieran, is what is the in your mind, as someone who said, like, he is going to be the starting goalkeeper for Chelsea, what is the situation that will set him up to take over and retain the job in the next couple of months? Like, what is the thing that Pochettino is going to see that's going to be like, oh, wait a minute, I need to make this change because this is going to be a plus positive for, for my team and my side? Yeah, I think I think there's a chance he plays the Wimbledon game. Um and I mean, I hope things don't go so poorly in that game that we are coming away from it saying, oh, Petrovic has to be our starting goalkeeper now. Um, to me, I think it's going to be when does he get a chance to play, whether that Sanchez takes a red card or or unfortunately has a knock and misses a match or has a string of poor performances. Um, Brad Friedel was on Sky Sports today talking about basically saying, like, I don't know when he'll get the chance, but when he gets the chance, I expect he will keep the job. And that's kind of where I am at as well in that I don't know what poor circumstances will lead to it because I don't think Poch will drop Sanchez without need for it. Um, but he hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. So maybe you see a moment where he's like, yeah, we'll give this guy a run. But I do think it's going to be once he gets the job, he, I would be shocked if he made an error. And if he's not making errors, I can't see him being dropped from the role. And I'm looking at the the schedule. It is it is weird. Obviously, Luton Town this Friday, um, which thanks for that Premier League. But then to your point, it's the following Wednesday with Wimbledon. You know, if he signs, let's say he gets it all done Wednesday, maybe unveiled Wednesday Thursday. 
Uh, that's less than a week turnaround. But again, goalkeeper is a little bit different, right? You can watch the film. He can get it with Tony Jimenez and his team and really kind of understand what they're looking for. But at the end of the day, they're like, hey, this is kind of our style. Don't let the ball go in the back and that sound good. All right, great. You know, like it is much easier to throw a goalkeeper in in that situation. After that, to your point, it's um, it's a pretty straightforward run with Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth away, Villa at home. Villa is a little bit tricky, so you don't imagine too many things to shake up. Then Fulham, Burnley, finally Arsenal, right, and then Brentford, Tottenham, City. It very would, it, and then Newcastle, and then Brighton, and then United. It's a bitch of a run in there. He might not get that chance until December or amongst that run of five or six big teams. If it doesn't go well, throw him in. The one thing we don't know is Potch quick to take a goalkeeper out of the line of fire if it's not going well or let him play through it because uh, Hugo Uris was his de facto until you know the end at Spurs for him. So it, it might be a new area where he's going to have to figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not certain on this, so I don't want to speak too confidently, but I believe... There was like a Michel Vorm, Hugo Lloris thing going on mm. where like Vorm let in a few stinkers and he was like, yeah, I'm out. We'll go with Lloris from now on. So who knows how, how long the leash is for Sanchez. And it's not like Sanchez has a lot of sweat equity built up either, right? Like no. he's only played two games. It's not like he was terrific in either of them. I, I don't think he's he's unassailable. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And I do believe that supporters who are waiting for Chelsea to register their first Premier League win of the season in a, not only register the win, but do so in a convincing manner. Uh, even though you could argue that a little bit of luck uh, against West Ham and we probably won, it would win that game running away with it. Um, that people will, will push for a change or advocate for a change online. If, the results do not turn, but I think hopefully the results turn and the best players play, which it would be the best end outcome for everyone, both the players, the supporters and the manager, because then there are less problems and that would be a great thing. I, I think the other question that people have had to Kieran is just like, where, where does he compare or uh, Petrovic compared to Gaga Slonina? Like we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but just, People are wondering, like, wait a minute, like we paid 10 plus 5 million for Slonina. We're paying more for Petrovic. Like, I mean, I think that generally is about like the age, the experience, and like where they're at within their career is like relative to where the, the cost is. Plus, potentially, if Revolution have to go out and, you know, select from the freely available keepers, there might be a little bit of a premium associated with that to the, hey, you're putting us in a bind. We're going to do this because it's a really lucrative and like top 10 total outbound transfer from MLS in, in like the league history with Petrovic. But what's your thoughts on maybe just the, the comparison for like why these deals are a little bit different and, you know, both on their like the costing and then also their developmental curve. Yeah. I, I think the biggest difference is that we are paying for what Gaga can be and we are paying for what Georgie is now. Um, I think Slanita is a very competent young goalkeeper, but if we are comparing their times in MLS, again, Gaga was 18, 19 in MLS. It, there is no comparison between the two. Petrovic is a significantly better goalkeeper who makes many fewer errors and wins you many more points. Um, that may not be true in five years' time. Slonina could be the best 25-year-old goalkeeper in the world. He has not had a great start at UPenn so far. He's won one, lost one, but let in a few stinkers. But this happens with a young goalkeeper. He has to play and work through the kinks. 
Petrovic is ready to play now. And like you said, there are, are obviously some some transfer realities about that are indicating the price there. I think the biggest difference between the two for anyone who has watched them is, again, the lack of errors. Petrovic is just a lot cleaner. He, They have the same highs in terms of, like, there you'll see clips where Slonina makes just ridiculous saves. But you'll also see clips where, like, he drops the ball to the striker on one yard out from the goal for an empty net. That doesn't really happen with Petrovic. And the other side is the cross-taking, which is a real weakness in Slanina's game right now. And we've seen it in Belgium already where he's really struggling with crosses. But these are learning moments for him where Petrovic is is much, much, much further along. So 100%, right? Uh, I looked back at the 2022 MLS season. Rough run for the Chicago Fire. By the way, if you don't know the Chicago Fire, where Gago Slanina came from, they haven't figured out soccer and how to run a team since the early 2000s like genuinely they've rebranded i think three times they keep switching from mls to soldier field like they signed shakiri and he's 40 percent of their entire team's wages like the fire like that gagos lunina is like the bright star amongst the a, just a disastrous run club they were in 12th place last season they had a zero goal difference scored 47 gave up 47. 47 was kind of middle of the road for goals conceded, maybe a little bit on the high end, but there was clubs that gave up in the 50s as well, the lowest being around... Um, How Chelsea of them, Brandon? Yeah, it just in the 60s, right? Some teams gave up low 40s. So that kind of gives you... He was right around the middle of there. Um, New England were in 10th, same conference. They had a negative nine goal difference, you know, or a negative three goal difference. It just kind of depends on where you're at with those teams. They're both down at the bottom struggling And the good thing Kieran, about a goalkeeper and a struggling side is you get a lot of tape. It might be tiresome, but you get worked so hard. It's the best development. Now, of course you want to get a goalkeeper into a better position, which is where Petro Petrovic is this year. And he's able to get the clean sheets. He's able to get the wins, able to organize a back line in front of him and when things are going well. And for him to go through a challenging season last year and really you know, be in a better situation this year, I think is just um, a huge importance in his development curve. And I think that's where, again, you're picking him up in his best moment. Robert Sanchez came in his worst moment, right? Like lost his starting spot last year and didn't play again. Whereas Petrovic, Petrovic is coming in the best he's ever been. I mean, this is a good time to pick the guy up. For sure, for sure. And I think, like, when we're talking about the impact that these goalkeepers can have, like, you can do some research to see how much one goal difference is worth in terms of points, and it's about, like, two-thirds of a point. Kepa's worst season, the, like, horrible, horrible sorry year, he cost Chelsea something like seven, eight points. Petrovic for the Revs last year was worth about seven, eight points, which is just a freakish amount. So if you're talking about a 16-point swing, that's like the difference between Chelsea finishing 12th and finishing 5th last year. Man, 12th place. Feels like so long ago. All right, It's Dan. so weird to say. <laughs> all right, Dan, that's all I've got. You tell me if there's anything else you need to know is just a mere mortal that uh, has questions about goalkeepers. That's right. I think someone on Instagram was just like, I know, I know Dan didn't play soccer. I'm like, well, I mean, I did at <laughs> elementary school level and then switched to baseball and then 
flamed out pretty quickly. So no, I don't think we have any other questions. I think we just want to thank you, Kieran, for having just such a wonderful wealth of knowledge to share on Petrovich, on goalkeeping, on who he is, what to expect, because I think for a lot of Chelsea supporters, the name came out of nowhere. For those who are not chronically online and scrolling Twitter or X, like this was very much a, wait a minute, who, what, when, how, why? Like, so I think you've answered a lot of the questions that people are going to have related to this transfer. And uh, I don't know, do you want to, do you want to end by picking the date or the game that he will premiere as the first choice keeper? I think he did. I think he called a shot already. I think I said before, before January. Okay. But a game like when in January, like, do you mean December sometime, November? I would say my guess is that Sanchez will have a stinker in one of those big games in the like difficult run, maybe like Brentford or something. He let in like a couple of really bad ones against Brentford for Brighton last year. And that'll be the moment where it's like, mm, you're going to sit the next one. Yeah. It, it, amongst this big run, unless it goes bad and he gets put in for Tottenham or for Newcastle, there's Brentford and Brighton in there. And, and who knows, Brighton may be overperforming all my expectations for Deserby and everything he does as a coach, and and we'll see. But those would be the ones, worst-case scenario, they just let Sanchez get beat up throughout the whole thing. They throw him in against Everton, who look pretty, pretty poor. So um, I don't know. I'd like to see Wimbledon. Might be a little bit too soon, but i tell you what, fitness, he's there, he's playing, he's sharp. I think you could throw him in. I'd love to see him at that point. And you want to know why, Karen? It is Pochettino telling Sanchez and everyone else, prove it. Here's your chance. Like, let's see what you got. And if we can't beat Wimbledon, well, I'm not even going there. So I would love <laughs> to see it. Awesome. Well, again, uh, follow Karen. Uh, link in the description. Super appreciate having you on. I needed some backup. I needed some help. So appreciate you sharing the wisdom and everything you do. Thanks, guys. I'd, I'd love being on. All right, we'll run it back uh, after he makes his debut. I promise we'll pencil you in as the guest that day. Uh, all right, hope you've enjoyed it. We've uh, way more content this week than we ever thought. Remember, Dan, when we were looking at the schedule this week, we're like, oh, I've got a gap. I said, don't worry, uh, a surprise is coming. Bam, here's your surprise. There you go. We got that. We've got Phil coming back with the Academy update. We've got a match on Friday, which means a Saturday match review dropping. Like all these weird things. Again, August is weird. September, though, is going to be a lack of Chelsea football. There's a in men's international break. It's going to be real crickety that month. You're just going to hear nothing. It's one game a week. You're going to be wishing to be back in August in September. So just enjoy the ride right now. Yeah, it'll be good. Well, we appreciate all of you out there. Uh, make sure to get involved. Patreon for the Discord, the newsletter, YouTube as well. Doing a lot with YouTube. So anyways, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.